The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky, Dean. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Ely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful. From the Thompson Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is an early childhood educator with nearly 30 years of experience teaching young children. Um, She has authored uh, children's books, including her most recent one, uh, which is called Just Like Jesse Owens for Kids uh, 6 to 8, I believe is the target age, but we'll find out more when we talk with... uh, with the, I, I want to say co-author because it's sort of a, a, a collaboration between her and her father, who many people might recognize from Atlanta, Ambassador Andrew Young. Um, but my guest is Paula Young Shelton, and she joins me by phone. Paula, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. It is great to be here. When you write a book about somebody as as significant and well-known as uh, Jesse Owens, um, is it a little bit difficult when you co-write it with somebody who's maybe even better known? (laughs) Well, the the, um, advantage for me is that I was writing it with my dad. (laughs) Of course. While many know him as Andrew Young, as the ambassador, as a civil rights leader. He's my daddy. So it was easy for me to write this story with him, um, really writing the story that he used to tell us growing up. You know, I've heard this story countless times. Well, and, and, but, it's a, but it's such an interesting story, Paula, because it, it really um, is based on how your father was exposed to Jesse Owens. And for people who don't know and don't remember, um, because some people don't really know anything about Jesse Owens beyond the the statistical significance of his accomplishments. Was it the 30... 
36 Olympics. I was going to say 32, but 36 Olympics, Mm -hmm. which uh, were done in Germany. Hitler was there. Um, But your dad first saw Jesse Owens, I believe, in a newsreel at at a movie theater as a young boy. Right. Right, exactly. He was, um, grew up in New Orleans, and his dad took him to see Jesse Owens, you know, run in the Olympics to a segregated movie theater as a response to my dad's questions about racism. And my grandfather's response was, you know, basically that you can't worry about what people say about you. You just have to go forward and do your very best, like Jesse Owens did. You know, I've talked to a number of um, African Americans that are your your father's age, and their parents um, sort of tried to encourage them, much like your grandfather did with your dad, um, to let let actions and achievement be the way you fight back. Right, right. I think that was definitely a lesson that my grandfather tried to uh, give to my father. And, um, you know, my, my dad grew up a little scrawny kid in New Orleans during segregation, um, but he was living in a very diverse neighborhood. And he knew, my grandfather knew he was going to have trouble. He was going to have conflicts. And he wasn't going to be able to fight his way out of every one of them. And so he taught him to think and to listen to people and to show people what you're capable of rather than resorting to violence. And those lessons have really stayed with my father throughout his 90 years on the planet. You know, because of the diverse uh, history of New Orleans and the the you know, people from different countries, different races, um, different religions, and of course all the great music, a lot of people mm. don't realize how racist New Orleans was when your dad was a boy. Right, absolutely. It's, you know, they you think know, of it as being this place of jazz and you see black and white right. musicians parading up and down the street, and they think it's always been that way, but it it wasn't. No. And, you know, from my dad's experience, what he tells about is that, you know, the kids were not racist. The kids wanted to play together, and so he played with a lot of different kinds of kids until their parents started telling them not to. And I think it's just such a great example of how racism is taught. Our kids aren't born racist. They learn that, and and we've got to teach them better. More about Jesse Owens from children's author and the daughter of Ambassador Andrew Young, Paula Young Shelton. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. 
you can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More about Jesse Owens from Children's Author and the daughter of Ambassador Andrew Young, Paula Young Shelton. 
straight ahead. How was your youth growing up um, with someone as well-known as your dad, as as active and involved? He was considered... uh, a key advisor to Martin Luther King, and and at one point he was ambassador to the United Nations, first African-American from, was it uh, New Orleans or Louisiana, to serve in Congress? In, well, in Atlanta, he oh, was the first. Uh, when yeah, did, he, when did he move to Atlanta? He moved to Atlanta in 1961 when I was a baby. Oh, and so he was an adult parents, by then. Yes. And my parents were living in New York, a very comfortable life uh, in an integrated society, and they saw the Freedom Riders on television. And they said, we got to go back home. And they did. They took three little girls and joined uh, the civil rights movement. And how was he welcomed into that movement? I mean, how did that... That's... I, where do you apply for that? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how uh, else to ask it, Paula. I'm so, right? I'm so clumsy. But <laughs> that, you know, that's a great question because, it, you know, it was a very interesting time. And uh, he was not immediately accepted into this group of Southern black ministers, Baptist ministers. Uh, my father is a minister by trade and was... Uh, with the United Church of Christ, and he came um, really under the National Council of Churches, who he was working with in New York, and so he had sort of his own, um, an independent salary, uh, independent from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC, and but he had to really find his place in the movement, and one of the roles that he uh, took on was to answer Dr. King's mail. That's not something anybody really wanted to do, so he would do a lot of that. And he would also negotiate with the racists, with the white business community, with the white uh, Christian and church community. And so that's, he had to find his own place there and... You know, one of the things Dr. King told him was, uh, he said the only time Dr. King got mad at him was when he agreed with everyone else. And Dr. King really depended on him to provide a different perspective so that Dr. King could make an informed decision. And I think that's important to remember. We need all voices. That is important to remember. How do kids today react to the story of of Jesse Owens. That seems so far back in history and, you know, how significant is a 1936 uh, Olympics victory? Well, right. Um, Well, I hope that people, children, will connect with uh, this athlete. Kids that are interested in sports and the Olympics will see and learn about Jesse Owens through this story. But it's also by telling the story from my dad's childhood lens and really looking at how children experience racism and how children experience these things. And, you know, so in the book, you'll see him playing baseball with his dad and, you know, playing with 
tag with his friends in the neighborhood. And so I really hope that that will resonate with young children, that they'll see themselves in this character, in these characters, and be able to identify with the story. And for people who don't remember hearing the story of, of Jesse Owens, what, what he, he won a gold medal in track. Four gold <laughs> uh, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but mm-hmm. for what events? Uh, it was he was in the four by one hundred relay, and um, I'm going to. I want to make sure I get this right. And he was in the two hundred meters, and he did the long jump, as well as the hundred meter dash, and. He wore. He won a gold medal in each of those events. You know, it's funny. I would not have remembered the long jump until you said it, Paula. And and then all of a sudden, I realized that's the piece of video they always show. Because, right. Because you can see the whole jump in in one quick clip. Right. <laughs> and, right. and so we've all seen that um, that victory yeah. a, a million times. It infuriated Adolf Hitler as I recall reading about it. Yeah. And, I mean, that was one of the fun things about uh, writing this story is, you know, of course I got my dad's perspective and his memories from it, but I also did my own research to make sure that it was, you know, accurate, historically accurate. And looking at videos of Jesse Owens in uh, in the Olympics was just, you know, so fascinating to see how he just went out there over and over again and um, proved that he was capable and really, I think, um, got under Hitler's skin. And there are mixed reports about whether uh, Hitler snubbed him and didn't shake his hand or things like that. But we know that he didn't embrace this black man from America coming there to prove his theory of white supremacy wrong. And I just hope children can really see this story and be inspired by Jesse Owens, and my dad for that matter. As difficult as things are currently with race relations in the U.S., can can young children, and you work with young children all the time, can they really grasp at how really horrible it was just a very few decades ago? Yeah, I think it is so important really to give children the opportunity to understand these ideas. I think many people don't give kids enough credit, but I've been teaching first grade, six and seven-year-olds for 20 years, and we have a very rich civil rights curriculum where we teach them about our history, the truth about our history, and we highlight those people who stood up against injustice. And we talk about people like Ruby Bridges, who was a six-year-old girl that integrated the public schools in her community and stood up to racists by just being herself and continuing to go to school. And so I want kids to be inspired by this and know that they can have a voice and that they can affect change. 
You know, I wonder when you mention Ruby Bridges, and I remember seeing pictures of of her, and you know, a little, you know, her fluffy dress, and mm-hmm. <laughs> all ready to go to school the first day, and 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 all of that. And and I wonder sometimes, did she have any idea at that age and in at that in that period of time how significant? that day was and and then that makes me want to you know fast forward a little bit and say did your dad know when he was getting into the things that he was getting into how how much of an influence he was really having by following his own dad's words and 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 participating with all of this uh movement that was going on around him I think I doubt that Ruby Bridges had a clue of, <laughs> as to tremendous impact that she was having on our country and, in fact, our world. I mean, she kind of um, looks like a typical little girl sort of watching the world oh, yeah. go by. She was just going to school. She yeah. was doing what her mother told her to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think my dad certainly had uh, an idea of, uh, that this was something that needed to be done. I don't think he could have foreseen the impact that it would have. But, you know, my parents literally sat there watching these college students risk their lives in the Freedom Rides to integrate interstate bus system. And they, they knew they had to join that fight, that they couldn't allow students to sacrifice that without supporting them, without contributing to in segregation in America. You know, I want to ask you this question about both your dad and Jesse Owens, but how would you describe the legacy of these two historic figures? Well, I think for Jesse Owens... His legacy for me really is to go forward with your dreams and don't let other people's opinions of you determine who you are, that you have to really believe in yourself and focus on your goals. And for my father, you know, his legacy has been the progress he has been able to make, the changes he's been able to influence in this country and in the world, frankly, have been because he was willing to listen and talk to people who have a different point of view. And he has dealt with some of the worst racists in the world, from Jim Clark and Bull Connor of the South to P.W. Botha of South Africa. And, you know, he tells a story of being in the U.N. and Jimmy Carter wanted him to meet all of the African leaders and he was going around meeting all the black African leaders. But when he said, wait, where are the white leaders? The State Department didn't want him to talk to them. But you can't, you can't bring people together unless you're willing to talk to both sides. And, you know, that has caused him a lot of trouble in the past, but it's something that he deeply believes in, is talking and listening to different perspectives. And and it is from that, that frame of mind where 
where real change comes from. Right. Exactly. You know, instead of just letting it, you know, well, that's the way we've always done it, instead of just settling for that. Right. And, and, and we've gotten so partisan where everybody's on one side or the other, and we're yelling out our viewpoints, but we're not listening or trying to understand the other side. And until we do that, we're not going to make much progress. That is a really uh, a really important thing. And and interestingly, as you were talking about Jesse Owens, I was thinking about a, an interview I, I did last year with um, a man who he ended up passing away toward the the mm. uh, toward the end of last year. But he was almost a hundred. He um, he was one of the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh yes, one of the red tails, in fact, and mm. uh, he had been a uh, prisoner of war. And I mm. asked him because of his age and how far you know back in the last century, you know, when he was coming up, um, what what gave him the audacity to think he could be a pilot in those mm. days? And he said. I grew up near an airport. I saw the planes going by. I just wanted to fly. And it, I mean, it was and it was so simple to him. It didn't matter whether people wanted to let him fly or what the challenges. He just wanted to fly. Yeah. And it sounds like Jesse Owens just wanted to run. Right, right. And I think that's an important message for young people to understand is that you know, go after your dreams and don't worry about what people say, whether you should or should not be doing this, whether you can or can't. If you want it, go after it. Now, I have to ask, how did how did the idea of, of doing this book, um, especially the way you did it, um, you know, through your dad's eyes and, and and from the stories that he told you, how did how did that all come about and turn into a book project? Um, I I just have this feeling, Paula, that you just told your dad. You tell me that story one more time. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't quite how it happened. But, I'm um, kidding. <laughs> my father was actually meeting with Scholastic about something else. He has his own, the Andrew J. Young Foundation, and so he was talking to them about something. And he started telling this story because my dad is always telling stories. (laughs) (laughs) And Andrea Pinckney, the acclaimed writer, is also an editor with Scholastic, and she heard him telling this story, and she said, you have to write a children's book. And he said, I don't write children's books, but my daughter does. (laughs) And so, um, you know, he sent them to me, and we were able to really collaborate on making this book. And that has been such an amazing experience. I was going to ask, how did you you manage that collaboration? Because he lives in Atlanta, you live in Washington, D.C. Did you go back and forth, or did you do a lot of Zoom stuff and phone calls? We did a lot of phone calls and Zoom, and uh, I would, you know, listen to him tell it again, and then I'd do a little (laughs) research, and then I'd call him back and ask him, well, what about this, and what about that? And he really let me tell it the way I wanted to tell it. Um, because, you know, I felt like it was my story, too. I grew up with this story. And 
he affirmed that for me and said, look, you know, you know the story, you tell it. And I, it was just such a wonderful experience to give, you know, to have an excuse to talk to my dad for so many reasons um, and to spend that time with him really making sure that it reflected what he wanted to tell, the message he wanted to give. Paula, do you want to say a few words about the uh, about the illustrations in the book? Absolutely. Uh, Gordon C. James is the illustrator, the Caldecott winner, and who really brought this story to life. I mean, they are just such vibrant and really dynamic illustrations. I mean, it is almost like Jesse is jumping off the page and. I just, when, as soon as I saw the first sketches, I was blown away. And so he has really beautifully illustrated this story and captured my dad and captured Jesse Owens in a beautiful way. It's, you know, as I'm, as I'm looking through the book, um, th- these illustrations, <clears throat> you know, we think of illustrations as being everything from stick figures to these little action cartoons cartoons almost comic book like Mm -hmm. every single one of these illustrations is like a piece of art isn't it really absolutely it it really is paula i mean i'm looking at it and you know i i look through a lot of different books and see a lot of different uh, um, illustrations and a lot of different styles this is amazing every single one of these looks like a monet yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, he is truly an artist, there's no doubt. And he used pastels in this book, which he said he had not used before. And I think it just gives it such a richness. And um, it just really, they are works of art, for sure. I'm going to have to try to get him to give me one of these prints. <laughs> yeah, I would think. Um in in fact, I would think you could have some of these prints for auctions at uh, one of the oh, uh, yeah. one of the Andrew Young Foundation events. Oh, sounds like a great fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's what I was thinking. If there's a fundraiser going on, this might be a, a nice thing to add to it. But it it really is quite quite impressive. So, what's next for Paula? Well, I am hoping to tell more stories um, that reflect African-American culture and history, more stories that put children of color at the center and reflect their lives and also inspire them to do better. Well, the book, it's a, it's a great idea for a book, and, and it's, it's even... I mean, the, just the fact of sharing this information with young readers is is awesome. But the fact that you got to collaborate with your dad on this makes oh, it yeah. even that much more charming. Um, no, I agree. You know, the telling of the story and and just the idea of it. And, and it's uh, such a cool thing. And I am so appreciative that you were able to spend some time with me and the listeners this morning. Um, my guest is Paula Young Shelton, um, Ambassador uh, Andrew Young's daughter. They collaborated on this. He told her the story and she wrote it as uh, 
a uh, uh, an accomplished children's author would. And uh, Paula, I always give guests an opportunity. Oh, I got it. I got to say the name of the book. It's just like Jesse Owens, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the credits, this is really interesting how you've done the credits by Ambassador Andrew Young as told to Paula Young Shelton. I think that's right. I think that's cool. Um already winning awards and it's um it's it's available wherever fine books are sold, I'm sure. But Paula, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do have an Instagram site right now. It's P.Y. Shelton, and I would love to know what people think about the book and hope you'll get the opportunity to read it and share it with the children in your lives and start those conversations early. Well, Paula, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. This has been a real pleasure. All right. Take care. That was uh, Paula Young. Let me make sure I get this right. Paula Young Shelton, daughter of Ambassador Andrew Young. The book is Just Like Jesse Owens, and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program coming up straight in. Now, 
It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov ag for your connection to consumer protection. 
Well, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. motorbikes. This is a great new story I've been working on about a motorbike. It's about this guy. This guy named Charlie. Charlie got a motorbike for his birthday, you know. He was happy. Yeah, I got a motorbike. I got a motorbike. <laughs> and he wanted his best friend to see it, you know. So he said, I'm going to ride over to my best friend's house and show him my motorbike. And he got on the bike, you know. <laughs> his friend lived next door. And he calls his friend out, you know, and he shows him the motorbike. And his friend said, yeah, that's always a sharp motorbike. He said, but uh, I bought my tennis shoes down because I wanted you to see my tennis shoes. And Charlie said, tennis shoes? So I said, yeah, he said, my tennis shoes, I wanted you to see them. He said, I'm as proud of my tennis shoes as you are that motorbike. He said, in fact, I'm willing to bet you that these tennis shoes are faster than that motorbike. Charlie said, are you crazy? How's a pair of tennis shoes going to be faster than the motorbike? Do you want to race? I said, yeah, I'll race you. So the guy puts on the tennis shoe, Charlie gets on the motorbike, and people were going by up into the hall of the building, and they heard them talking about it, you know, and they went, they're knocking on the doors, you know, the apartments, telling people. So everybody started looking out of the window and said, tennis shoes against the motorbike? Yeah, right down there. I said, he's going to race tennis shoes against the motorbike? I said, that's ridiculous. How the man tennis shoes going to meet the motorbike? I said, right down there. <laughs> and then the race started, you know, the motor, the guy on the motorbike starts up. Charlie started about 25 miles an hour. Sometimes my lips get stuck doing this. Maybe they'll cut that out. And I'm doing about 25 miles an hour, and Charlie's friend is running right alongside him. Said, man, he said, you better go and start the race because a lot of people got their money back. Charlie said, okay, so I'm going to whip it up to 45. Doing about 45, you know, and his buddy's running right along beside him. <laughs> then his buddy passed him, you know, everybody passed him, you know, and then he crossed over in front of him, you know, then he went back around him. And the guy, the guy started running backwards, you know, talking to him on the motorbike. <laughs> he said, You better get out of the way, so I'm gonna open this motorbike up. Then he, you know, turned the motorbike full speed. <laughs> and the motorbike went about 45, 45 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, Hill, you know, a hill and a curve. <laughs> right around that curve, you know. And when he got around the curve, Charlie turned and looked, you know, he looked for his buddy, and his buddy wasn't there. And he waited a few minutes. Then he got back on the motorbike and he rolled back around the car. <laughs> then he looked at his buddy's laying in the ditch. It's the same, man. So what are you doing in the ditch? And his buddy said, You ever have a tennis shoe blow out on you at 90 miles? <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
Passion Radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Well, hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, thanks to all the guests that were on the show, starting with Paula Young Shelton, children's author and daughter of Ambassador Andrew Young. They teamed up for a children's uh, book called Just Like Jesse Owens, as uh, Ambassador Andrew Young told uh, Paula Young Shelton, the story of uh, his father taking him to the movie theater to see uh, Jesse Owens compete in the 1936 Olympics via newsreels. And uh, before that, we talked with um, NFL journalist for, uh, oh, he's been with a number of publications, but he currently works with uh, ESPN. Um and he has a, a novel out, or not a novel, I'm sorry, a book, rather, called Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America, by Jason Reed. And we talked with him a little earlier. We started out this morning with um, a uh, veteran TV reporter and anchor from Boston, Natalie Jacobson, talking about her memoir, Every Life, A Story. Nancy Jacobson reporting. Anyway, there's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back with another edition of the Tom Sumner program tomorrow, and I hope you will be too. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.